Planning a summer break? Experience the best of Ireland inside and out at Clayton Hotels with nationwide destinations you can soak up amazing coastline views. Then soak in the atmosphere in our welcoming bars and spacious lounges. Squeeze in local attractions then stretch out in our big family rooms. Enjoy endless adventures followed by meals made to thrill Delicious. and heavenly moments alongside real luxury. For the best rates, always book on ClaytonHotels.com. I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Adam Hall's chess match of continental intrigue. Queen in danger. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by the makers of Contact and Quaker State Motor Oil. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. fact that in people's lives, things do go wrong. An unfortunate event or a personal tragedy of some sort. There's always something external, something unexpected. In a word, trouble. And there are those who thrive on it. Take, for example, Hugo Bishop. Trouble is his business and his pleasure. Mod London is his scene. And trouble is what he's about to find in the persons of Thelma Tasman, Known professionally as Gloria Del Rey, Queen Bee of the fashion world, and her husband, Mervyn Spate, convicted murderer, declared legally mad, and for the past two years, a full time tenant in a Broadmoor asylum for the criminally insane, where there has just been a daring escape. Hugo Bishop is in for a rare treat. Mervyn Spate is back in London. Our story, Queen in Danger. We'll begin after this word. Uh, ma'am, we're asking people what they know about different organizations. Oh, good. Ask me anything about that. Uh, all right. What's the ISAZP? It's the International Society of Austrian Zither Players. Right. Not many people know that one. Give me another. What does the Supreme Order of Federated Alliances do? Oh, the same stuff as the Benevolent American Daughters Associated Guild Society. I, I never heard of that group. I just made it up. <laughs> oh, all right. Now, here's a serious one. Name two things the American Cancer Society is involved in besides cancer research. Wow. They're into so many. Many things, like educating the public to the warning signals.
battles of cancer and professional education for doctors and nurses and dentists and service for patients. Right, and lots more. And that's why the American Cancer Society needs financial support to continue its drive to wipe out cancer in our lifetime. Well, I certainly support them. Good. Now, here's one for you. What's the LLTA? I give up. The League of Lady Tattoo Artists. Oh, you made that up. No, remember. How'd you like a picture of Miller Fillmore tattooed on your elbow? It's taken already. Oh. Picture this. London, the first day of spring. The season newly arrived from Paris, overnight and traveling light, to drape green gossamer among skeleton twigs and blow a zephyr's breath against the royal standard high above Buckingham Palace. The queen is at home. Fear has not yet entered the mind of the woman in green, walking briskly along the pathway in St. James Park. She'll be free of fear for another five minutes, perhaps six, but no more. She stops to buy a paper, folds it and tucks it under her arm and walks on. She turns now into Bond Street, and her shadow is cut off suddenly and silently by the high corner buildings. And she's accompanied instead by her glassy reflection in shop windows. Then that too is gone, as she passes the rubble of a bombed site, left abandoned since the Second World War. A grim reminder of how it was. But now, as she steps through the gilt and glass paneled entrance of the fashionable Salon des Fleurs, the woman in green moves unsuspectingly among the placid flower bowls in the heavy, perfumed air toward her destined appointment with sudden panic. Good morning, Mrs. Tasman. I'll be with you in just a moment. I have Mrs. Carmody on the phone. Yes, please. I'm in rather a rush. Yes, Mrs. Carmody. I have it down. Tuesday week... Three o'clock. I said Tuesday week, three o'clock. That will be fine, Mrs. Carmody. I'm sorry. I came in to make an appointment, but uh, could you fit me in tomorrow after lunch? Oh, uh, would, would four o'clock be convenient? If I can be out by five. Is it just for your usual face back, Mrs. Desmond? Yes, yes, that's all. Well, you should be away by five then. Thank you. Oh, Mrs. Tasman. Yes? Uh, you left your newspaper. Oh. I turned away toward the ordinary day outside, to the ghost of my reflection in the window. Beyond the glass, the cars and people in the street passed by like figures in a silent film. I felt distracted all the way to my office. I barely noticed the street traffic. I was overwhelmed by feelings of anxiety. I don't know what it was exactly. Guilt or fear. Once inside the Miller Group Publishers Building, my sense of panic eased a little. My work was a necessary distraction. But the nameplate on the door to my private office reminded me who I was or wasn't. Gloria Del Rey, fashion editor, Venus Magazine. Nom de plume for Thelma Tasman, which was, in turn, an assumed name. I left word with Glenda, my secretary, to hold all calls. I was summoned by my boss and trusted friend, Maurice Gerald. Come in, Thelma. I just saw the proofs of the Duval layout. It looks worse than I dreamed. No, no, it's, um... Little contrived, that's all. 
You wouldn't excuse it from anyone else. It would be good from anyone else. It's just that your standard is higher. Anyway, I didn't call you in about your Duval layout. I didn't think so. How about coming out to stay with us for the week? With Victor going off to Bristol, you're going to be lonely. You've seen the paper? Yes. Hmm. It's good of you, Maurice, but I'll manage. Well, Laura would love you to come, and you know how the children feel about you. Laura and I get on well, and I don't want to spoil that. She wouldn't appreciate having your protégé about for a whole week. Now, now, stop thinking of yourself as my protégé. I showed you the ropes, I made you into a fashion writer, but then you took it from there yourself. Now, circulation's gone up a solid 5% since we started carrying the Gloria Del Rey center spread. You gave me a job that required all of my energy and attention when that's just what I needed. I can never thank you enough. Oh, well, then humor me and come along. I'll phone Laura and let her know. I'd rather not, really. I want to come when it can be a holiday, not an escape. Hmm. You sure? Yes. Give Laura my love. And a slap on the bottom for Mick and Jonathan from their Aunt Thelma. All right, then. But Thelma, take care. The cold black headline in the newspaper would seem to have nothing to do with high fashion Gloria Del Rey or with the woman who called herself Mrs. Victor Tasman. Even Victor, especially Victor, would not make any connection between the man mentioned in the newspaper headline and the woman who had become his own common-law wife. Victor had simply accepted my rejection of a formal marriage ceremony. He had no way of knowing I was already married. Married to Mervyn Spate, condemned murderer who was reported today to have escaped from Broadmoor Asylum for the criminally insane. Glenda was out of the office when I returned. It was just as well I needed to be alone. The thought that clouded my mind was, what if Victor should find out? Perhaps I should tell him. Perhaps he was in danger as well as I. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. A small pink page from Glenda's memo pad had blown off the desk onto the carpet. I picked it up. Miss Del Rey. While you were out, a man called. He left no name but asked for a Mrs... A Mrs. Spade. He seemed quite positive he had the right number. Give your hand to a friend. Give your heart to your love. Here you cold. The contact, the sooner the better. Hey, I'm back. How's that cold? Rotten. Get the contact? I got everything. Contact, cold tablets, and this liquid. Oh, no. Honey, it's all cold medicine. Well, sure, but it only takes one contact for up to 12 hours, continuous relief from sneezing, drips, congestion. For that, I'd need six of your cold tablets. Two every four hours. Or three ounces of nighttime liquid. One every four hours. Or just one contact. The tiny dye pills do it. Well, it's all cold medicine. Those others contain antipyretic analgesics. The liquid, antitussive, and alcohol, they're not in contact. Six or three or one. I choose the one contact. Me too. And I'm the one with the cold. Six or three or one. When you catch a cold, take contact. Only as directed. We'll return to our story in a moment. Hello, I'm Greg Morris, and I'd like to tell you about a new program of the United States government to provide education and training after high school, especially if you don't have the money for it. It's called Basic Grants, and helps to provide money for full-time students entering for the first time a college or a university, vocational school, a technical institute, 
or a hospital school of nursing. It helps you pay for tuition, books, and other expenses. Basic Grants makes it possible now to prepare for the special vocational career that you've been hoping for. And best of all, it's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. So take it from me, Greg Morris. It's not a mission impossible. Apply right away. Simply contact the school or college you're planning to enter, state employment office, county agent, or post office, or write Basic Grants, Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044. That's Basic Grants, Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044. Hugo Bishop here. A trifle on the board side today. But that shouldn't last. It seldom does here in London, you know. Always something irregular going on about. It shan't take me long to find it. Or the reverse. It's a hobby of mine, actually. People in trouble, that is. I share an office with a very regal Siamese cat and a middle-aged, rather conservative woman with an Oxford degree and a talent for embroidery. Mira Gorringe is her name. I prefer to call her Gory. Marvelous woman with a flair for nosing out the fantastic, the incredible, and the macabre. Gory placed the files on my desk as soon as the early edition of the Standard hit the street. But I was taking a perverse delight in ignoring them and turned my total attention to cleaning out my favorite mission. That sort of thing should be done in the bathroom. How many times have I told you that? Love me, love my pipe. I should think you'd rather be putting your attention to a bit of business. Such as what? Spate is free. Who? Mervyn Spate. Found guilty but insane two years ago at the Central Criminal Court and committed to Broadmoor Asylum. For murder? A woman on a bomb site in Ludgate Hill. Name of Joanna Martin. You've been baiting me all along, I suppose. The names of murder victims seem to stick in my mind. But I don't seem to think this means a job for me. An escaped homicidal maniac isn't the least interesting person in the world. I should think you'd like to have a talk with Mervyn Spate. You know where I might find him? No, but if you can't find him, no one can. And there's his wife. She wouldn't make a bad starting point. Gloria Del Rey. Now, that's the second file you placed on my desk. If you want a new study for your personality under stress thesis, she should provide it. I should prefer a graphic summing up to slogging through a folder of your copious notes. With the way you're scattering hot ashes from that smelly monstrosity of yours, it'd be less of a fire hazard at least. <laughs> Anyone tell you, you look a rare treat today, babe. Really, Mr. Bishop, Babe is hardly a suitable nomenclature for someone old enough to be your great-aunt. Well, very well, Auntie. Give me the dope on Gloria Del Rey, formerly Mrs. Mervyn Spate. Still Mrs. Spate, but now calling herself Mrs. Victor Tasman. A new marriage isn't legal, then? Can't be. She's never divorced Spate. As I recall, Spate was an artist before he took up murder. Thelma met him at art school. At the time of the murder, they'd been married three years. By then, Spate had become a professional painter with something of a reputation. Ah. All smashed to bits in that one moment of violence in Ludgate Hill. Quite. Did Thelma Spate attend her husband's trial? Faithfully. Remaining the loyal wife throughout. Despite the fact that apparently the marriage wasn't a blissful one, 
Spate had too much temperament for his pretty young wife to handle. Uh, wherever do you come by your little crumbs of information, Gory? One must learn the language of the sparrows. They sit on every windowsill. Well, I'm more of a raven myself. So, with her husband put behind bars at Broadmoor, what did Thelma Spate do following the trial? Left England for a bit to get away from the notoriety. Lived alone in Italy. And met Victor Tasman. Technical representative of a British-owned aircraft and allied products company. Quite the opposite from the temperamental artistic type. Precisely. And Thelma Spate then returned to England as Thelma Tasman. And became Gloria Del Rey. Thanks to Maurice Gerald, editor-in-chief of Miller Group Publishing. And how does he fit into the picture? Friend in need, I should say. He first offered his assistance to the stricken young wife during the trial. Then immediately on her return to England came forward with the job of fashion editor. Why did Gerald do this, do you suppose? Plainly felt sorry for her, I imagine. He's known as a generous man. Also, perhaps he sensed she had the makings of a crackerjack fashion writer, since that's what she's turned out to be. This room is 20 feet long and 16 feet wide, with at least a dozen sizable ashtrays strategically placed about. Need I say more? No, but you probably will. <laughs> it appears to me the prime question for conjecture at this point is, does Spate know? Does Spate know what? That Mrs. Spate is now calling herself Mrs. Tasman. Then you're interested? I don't know yet. Well, if you decide you are, you'll find the files quite complete. I frequently bless your morbid curiosity, Gory. It appears Princess Ju Yi Shin would like an audience with you. Ah, send her in. Hello, gorgeous. The Princess Ju Yi Shin paddled silently across the room. The light from the windows glinting in her great blue eyes. With one quick flash of smoky fur, she leapt onto the desk, settled on her haunches beside me with a tail curled neatly around her chocolate feet. I blew my meerschaum back into life, and the cat and I together watched the curl of smoke with a quiet, idle fascination. And then I brought out the chess set. I sifted the pieces and set them on the board one by one. Thelma Spates... Alias Mrs. Victor Tasman, alias Gloria Del Rey. The Queen in Danger. Next to White Rook, near the Queen. Maurice Gerald, the Protector, at an equal distance from the Queen, a White Knight. Victor Tasman, the Constant Lover, behind the Queen, directly behind, but at a greater distance. Mervyn Spate, husband. Murderer, madman. The Red King, enrobed in blood. With a red pawn laid beside the king. Joanna Martin, dead by the king's hand and bloodied too. Huh. What do you think, my beauty? Time to place the sixth piece on the opposite side of the board, away from the others, but facing them. A white bishop. My own namesake. At a standstill and wondering where to begin. Agent Darrell Hutchison of Garden City, Georgia, 
explains why personal service and car insurance is just as important to State Farm Mutual's low rates. We are not always the lowest price that an individual can find for insurance. I have had people come by that have already gotten prices from other companies. They come by, and this particular time, we were a little higher than they were. But after talking with them, tell them that I can give them one thing that the other company cannot give them, and that is my personalized service. They know that I am here. I'm here to stay as an agent. And these points uh, make a difference. They don't want to be treated as a number. They still want to be treated as an individual, especially when they have a claim problem. They want to be given service because that's what they're paying for. The Zero Hour continues after this. I'm Cliff Robertson, and I made a picture not long ago called Charlie, where I played the part of a man who was mentally retarded. I'd like to tell you a little of what I learned. Thousands and thousands of mentally retarded children are born each year. It can happen to any family, rich or poor. It makes no difference. Except some children are luckier than others. Some kids can be just a little slow in learning. But some will never learn much of anything at all. But every one of them can be helped. And that, perhaps, is the most important thing that I found out. These kids have a right to a chance to learn as much about how to live a normal life as they can. The National Association for Retarded Children and its nearly 1,500 local associations are helping to give them that chance. Will you help, too, by supporting the work of your local association for retarded children? Thank you. There were yellow tulips in a bowl on the table, bright as agony in the sunshine. It seemed astonishing that color so brilliant should cast a shadow of mere gray on the tablecloth. But the shadow was there, seven gray heads against the blue linen. Gloria Del Rey works too hard. She likes it that way. I know. Victor Tasman should talk, whose job is taking him off to Bristol for a whole bloody week. I have no choice. And uh, the sooner I go, the sooner I should be back. What can I do to compete with a supercharger? What is it, love? Is something troubling you? No. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, have you seen the papers today? Why? Wh why, no, I haven't. Is there some reason I should? <laughs> Belma, darling, you, you are tense. All of London will be, I should think. Uh, seems a maniac escaped to Looney Bin. Victor. Victor, I love you. Well, then, for the thousandth time, marry me. Not that today, Victor, please. Let's order lunch, shall we? God save the Queen. I decided to start exploring my interest in the Spate Affair by comparing notes with my old chum, Freddy, Detective Inspector Frisnay of the New Scotland Yard. We met at one of my favorite spots, which wasn't one of Freddy's, a milk bar at the bottom of Charing Cross Road. You'd better find Spade quickly, don't you think, Freddy? I mean, the bloke might go and pop someone else off just to celebrate being on the outside, and where would you be? 
Anywhere would be preferable to here, sitting with Hugo Bishop contemplating a milkshake. What are you having? Oh, I rather fancy a strawberry shake and a ham sandwich. Seeing it'll come out of your expenses. I'm off duty. Oh, I hate to contradict you. But we're going to talk business. Whose? Yours. Don't you ever talk about your own. I haven't any of my own. My business is everybody else's. All right. Only anything but space. I've had enough of him for one day. Well, where are you looking for him? No statement. Well, we won't talk about space. We'll talk about Mrs. Space. She's out of town. Out of town? We checked her address. What address? 19 Stapleton Crescent. Spate's been sending letters to her there ever since she's been in the asylum. We checked it out, but the woman who lives there is out of town. <laughs> Eve Jordan is out of town. Thelma Spate isn't. Come again. Eve Jordan lives at 19 Stapleton Crescent. She's Thelma Spate's best friend. Thelma used Eve's address for Spate's letters. Why? Why would you feel comfortable about a husband who was a convicted murderer and judged mad to boot? You think Spate's escape puts his wife in danger? Well, she evidently thinks so. That should be enough. Tell me, Hugo, where do you come by all your information? I live in close proximity to a sparrow. Where would we find Thelma Spate, then? Hugo? Mm. That shape is making my mouth water. Oh, it's like something you'd shave with, if you ask me. Don't see why all this electricity and chrome and chemical flavoring have to do with a simple, rustic cow. Look at me, a good old timber-built, worm-eaten, honest-to-God pub any time. <laughs> you don't have to stay and humor me, Freddy. Go and have your beer if you'd like. Oh, all right, Hugo. You win. A ham sandwich and a strawberry shake on the yard. Thank you, Freddy. That's very kind of you. And now, let's have it. Where can we find Mrs. Mervyn Spate? The yard would assign a man to Thelma Spate in the hope that she was the lure that would inevitably put Mervyn Spate back in the trap. Freddy and I parted company outside the milk bar and I walked up toward Trafalgar Square. Dusk had fallen. A news vendor hawked papers on the corner. Maniac murderer at large. London at night. Where was Mervyn Spate this moment, I wondered. I thought over Scotland Yard's proposed strategy. This extremely risky business, exposing your queen that way. Lose her, and the match is all but lost. And this is no ordinary game. All possibilities must be weighed and measured. Thelma Spate Tasman is in a most precarious position. One false move could mean the game. And we are playing with her life. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Sometimes a 24-hour pass can pass very slowly. Very, very slowly indeed. With no place to go, nothing much to do. The answer for millions of servicemen and women around the world has been the USO. 
For over 30 years, a place to come in, read, write letters home, listen to music, dance, have a hamburger and a shake. Most of all, a place to feel welcome. But there might not always be a USO, even though there are still two million servicemen and women who need it more than ever. There might not be a USO because there's not enough money to go around. USO gets no government funds. It depends entirely on your gifts to the United Fund, Community Chest, or local USO campaign. So please give. Our work isn't done. When they change a plane flight, I check to see if another is just as good or better. Fred Underwood, Kansas City postal worker, probably knows as much about airline schedules as the airlines. I want to give that extra service that goes with airmail. So I move it just as fast as I can to get it out of here. And airmail is moving. Now you can almost always get next day delivery to cities up to 600 miles away. And two-day delivery anywhere in the country. Just mail by 4 p.m., use zip code, and mail from a specially marked airmail box. When I started here, it was all propeller planes and trains. And back in the post office, mail was handled the same way it had been for years. Now there's jet planes and zip codes, and airmail's really going places. Airmail and zip codes. They speed everybody's letters. If you don't know a zip code, check your phone book or call the post office. Help us help you. Use zip code. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, Queen in Danger. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow. And once again, rest your eyes and listen here to the Zero Hour. This is Mutual, your news and sports radio network.